And, uh, and uh, I was like, oh, how are we going to sing this announcement uh, with this? Oh, that's really creative. But uh, children are dismissed for children in worship right through that door right there. I see a child. Is there an adult? Maybe they're already in there, Wisdom. Maybe they're already in there, sweetie. Okay. Well, um, today, as we continue in our journey through the the book of Exodus, our our journey home, we come to the the place in this journey home where now we have the, the house rules. You know, we all, the, how are we going to live in this home together and what's the purpose here? What's the purpose for these particular rules? And it's one where we will look particularly at the, the Ten Commandments. Most folks have heard of that uh, um, phrase of, of the, the, the Ten Commandments. And I don't usually start with the illustration, but I wanted to start with the illustration because it captures it really well. It fits really well with African American History Month, which I'm so thankful for because this month helps me expand my education because my education didn't have a lot of African-American history um, uh, in uh, the history classes that I, that I took. So this helps me see, and particularly around the church, because the, it was the black church that really was leading the church forward to following God in the 50s and, and 60s. Um, and today I, I ran across, or this, as I was studying for this, and, uh, this came across my desk, the Alabama Christian Movement for Human Rights. See, now this is one thing. The church has always had acronyms. This is even in the 50s, even in the black church, the ACMHR. That's the Alabama Christian Movement for Human Rights. Fred Shuttlesworth, many of you may have heard that name. He served a church in Cincinnati for a long time as well as in Birmingham. But they started this in the 50s. What had happened was my home state, Alabama, had outlawed the NAACP, another acronym, National Association for um, Colored People. And uh, they'd outlawed it, so they started a new one. And Fred figured, you know, if I put Christian in there, Alabamians will like that. And if it's about human rights, then you, you can't uh, argue with that. But the ACMHR had their own Ten Commandments. And their, their Ten Commandments were, were part of what you signed up for. It was a commitment. It was a commitment. It was, this was about a, a covenant. This was about a, a promise that... that, that to be part of this group, you're, you're a part of this group, then it means you follow these guidelines, these these um, these commitments, these commandments. Um, so not just guidelines, not suggestions, but this is what it means for us. And the, the purpose is for us to follow God and, and to, to follow God in real ways and challenging ways uh, in those days. And so I... Uh, I had a copy of the the real thing. It, it still exists today, but it really wouldn't show on the screen. So um, afterwards, I'll, I'll we'll put it up on the web next to the the, the sermon if if you want it, or you can Google it and find it. But here here are what the Ten Commandments um, of uh, the ACMHR. I hereby pledge myself, my person and body, to the nonviolent movement. Therefore, I will keep the following Ten Commandments. Meditate daily on the teachings and life of Jesus. Remember always that the nonviolent movement seeks justice and reconciliation, 
not victory. Walk and talk in the manner of love, for God is love. Pray daily to be used by God in order that all men might be free. Sacrifice personal wishes in order that all men might be free. Observe with both friend and foe the ordinary rules of courtesy. Seek to perform regular service for others and for the world. Refrain from the violence of fist, tongue, or heart. Strive to be good in spiritual and bodily health. Follow the directions of the movement and of the captain on a demonstration. I sign this pledge having seriously considered what I do and with the determination and will to persevere. Now, they had these commandments. This was in the 50s and 60s. And you know, it was these commandments that were there not, not to bring them blessing. It's obvious. It's in the commandment. But in order to form them as a force in the name of Jesus for justice in a way that is just. And that's why the Ten Commandments, it was there to form them, to make them into a people that would not only be a correction to a disobedient church that was around them, not only to be a guidance for a wayward nation, not, and, and, and even to bring, to be a witness, be a witness to the very character of God to the world. And the beauty of this is that we see it lived out. We see it lived out in 1963. You think people are just going to wake up one morning and say, Yeah, I'll go face hoses. I'll go face dogs. I'll go face bombs and bullets. Think they just wake up one morning and say, I'm going to decide to do that today. Or do you think that takes training? You think that takes preparation? You think that takes gathering together for decades? To say, this is who we are. This is God, who has God called us to be. And then, on national TV, in black and white, you saw a group of Jesus followers peacefully proclaiming Him, seeking justice, even in the face of German shepherds snarling and biting and hoses, fire hoses, right in their gut. And bombs going off in their houses. See, that's the purpose of the Ten Commandments. As we'll see here, it's to, to set us apart. It's to set Israel apart in that day and then for us to be set apart as well as a, a different kind of people. As we'll see, as, as Peter repeats in the New Testament the same thing that Moses says here, in order to be a holy, a set-apart nation, in order to be a kingdom of priests, that's the purpose. So with, with that in line, with that illustration in our mind and that excitement of, yes, this is what the, the church is to be and why God has not only saved but also now given guidance for his people. Um, we'll turn to Exodus 19. It's found on page 57 in your pew Bible, starting in verse 3. Um, and we'll read different parts as we, we go through it. Let's, uh, let's pray together. Gracious God, we thank you for your written word. Now, now uh, give us ears to hear. Give us a, a heart to receive uh, so that indeed we would be your people. We would be your, your priests. We would be 
a set-apart people, and we would demonstrate your character, even in the face of evil. Continue to form us to be that kind of people. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right. Um, now, in, along the, the, this story, so now Moses is with the Israelites. They've they've come through. Uh, they've been released from slavery, and, and now you know they they've got manna. They got bread from heaven. They got water from a rock. They crossed the Red Sea as it as it split apart, and then it came uh, upon their enemies. And now it's time for God to visit the people, and uh, say that this is now the journey ahead. All right, so chapter 3, or chapter 19, verse 3. Then Moses went up to God. The Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the Israelites, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings, and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession out of all the peoples. Indeed, the whole earth is mine, but you shall be for me a priestly kingdom and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the Israelites. Then verse 16 and 20 of that same chapter. On the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning as well as a thick cloud on the mountain and a blast of a trumpet so loud that all the people who were in the camp trembled. Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God. They took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended upon it in fire. The smoke went up like smoke of a kiln while the whole mountain shook violently. As the blast of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses would speak and God would answer him in thunder. When the Lord descended upon Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain, the Lord summoned Moses to the top of the mountain and Moses went up. What we we see here is God's holy, pure, powerful love for Israel and for the world. He's setting up, this is the commandments and this is why. This is what has happened. I have, see verse 4, I have borne you on eagles' wings. On this, this whole journey. All the way back to, to Genesis 12. When we started in the fall with Abraham. I've called Abram. He's now going to lead, form a people and lead you. And I have borne you on eagles' wings the whole way through. From Abraham to Isaac to Jacob. To being the nation of Israel. To, to ser- serving you and caring for you in famine. So then you became to Egypt. And then in Egypt you stayed there for centuries. And you became slaves. But you grew and you grew And now I have released you from slavery, brought you through the Red Sea as if on dry land, brought you bread from heaven, water from a rock. And now we're now perched, ready to be my people. God's the one who has made this happen. It had absolutely nothing to do with Israel's obedience had nothing to do with, with Israel's gifts, had nothing to do with who they were, their power. Matter of fact, they were not powerful. They were small. They were insignificant. This, this has to do with God's call. 
God's love. It's never because of them. It's because of God. Now, there's been words of guidance and specific directions along the the way, but never was there a sense to this point, you are my people because you obey me. And he makes it clear here, you are my people, therefore obey me. This is the place now where the law shows up on this journey. God has called them, he's protected them, he's provided for them, he has rescued them. And now, you're now set apart now to be my... I've carried you for this place so that now you will be my witnesses. You will obey me. You will follow me. Why? Because it's back to Genesis 12. It's back to Abraham. Remember, Abraham's called. You're going to make a nation and that nation is going to bless the world. So now, now you're going to obey me so that you will be my people in this world. Yes, I mean, that you obey, that will continue to protect and provide for you. Just like any parent with a child or a coach with an athlete or a, a, a teacher with a student. It, we, they, they give rules and guidelines. They give commandments for the protection and provision of their student or their children. For the, it's for their blessing to provide for their growth and to protect them from harm. But more than that, you will be a people that blesses the world. Because, as he says in verse 5, you will be my priests. You will be a priestly kingdom and you will be a holy nation. Now, what what does a priest do? Priest is one who stands in between God and those that don't know them. That's what a priest does. That's what Moses is doing at this. You know, God's on the mountain, the people are at the bottom, and Moses is the priest running up the mountain, running back down, up the mountain, and down. Too bad he didn't have a Fitbit. A lot of steps in those days. But that's what a priest does. And now he's saying to Israel, you're going to obey me so you'll be my priest. You'll be my, in a sense, go-between. You'll be the one, because of your obedience to me, you'll now demonstrate the very character and nature of God in real live ways to the world outside them. Now, you have to recognize the world in that day. The, The Ten Commandments to us, as we read through it, it's like, oh, not really a big deal. Well, in the days of Israel, it was a huge deal. I mean, it included caring for women and slaves. That didn't happen in any of the other laws of the day. That was foolish in the world of the day. And just to say, you're not going to murder? Well, in the sense of don't murder has a real sense of vengeance. Of course, you if someone kills somebody in your family, it's your responsibility to kill somebody in their family. And now you're saying, don't do that anymore? This was a, a rat, and, and you're saying, don't commit adultery? Well, it was understood in some places that women weren't supposed to. But nowhere was there a sense that men weren't supposed to. 
And now this law is coming. I mean, so for that day, it was a radical word to set them apart, to be the priests in a holy nation. To be a holy nation means you're set apart. You're not living according to the ways of the world. The the Ten Commandments are a way of training God's people so that they are demonstrating the very character of God. In the ways of the world. If our desire primarily. Is to obey God. So that if my desire is to obey God. So that my life will be good. I'm missing the mark. This is really easy. Then to fall into loving God's blessings. Instead of loving God. If if our desire to obey God is so that our lives will be good, so that we'll receive God's blessing, we're missing the mark, the highest calling. It is to demonstrate the glory of God to a world that doesn't know them. To be a priest, to be a set-apart people. So that we can demonstrate this, this powerful, mighty stronghold of truth and goodness and love that is demonstrated in the very character of God that you see at the, the end of what we read when the mountain shakes and the thunders roar because of God's presence, of His consuming fire of love as the creator and owner of the universe. That's what the Ten Commandments are for. Now, let's read uh, the Ten Commandments. Now, obviously, at this stage, I've, we just have time just to look at them. Really, we don't have time really to even talk about them very much. Um, but uh, want us to to look and see, and a couple things to look at. I want you to notice just how practical and concrete they are. They're not really very esoteric. They're really no. You don't do this, and you do this. In specific ways. So I want you to be doing that work now. For the Holy Spirit to, to be working. I want you to be thinking, All right, how does this apply to me in specific ways? Because at the end of the service, we'll have time for, we're just going to have about four or five minutes or at the end of the, the sermon just to sit and pray and listen and confess um, for how God would want to work in us so that, with, with an excitement really, So that we will be even more clearly a demonstration of the the beauty and power and wonder of our Creator. Alright, so then God spoke of all these words, chapter 20, verse 1. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above or that is on the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing children for the iniquity of parents to the third and fourth generation of those who reject me, but showing steadfast love to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses his name. 
Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work. You, your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock or the alien resident in your towns. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. But rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. All right, now, so this first part, and you see how the first part of the, of the commandments are about our living right with God, and the second part is living right with one another, which we'll get to in a, a minute. Uh, but you can, um, and, and we, uh, you can see here that uh, God is, is setting himself apart as their one and only God. And, um, you know, one of the things in this that's particularly concrete for 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 the people of Israel in that day, don't make idols. That had real application for them. Don't get a piece of wood and whittle it away to make some idol that represents God to you. Or don't take uh, some uh, rock and chisel it away to, to make some idol. That was common practice in those days. Now, literally, I don't know that that's a real issue for many of us. But practically and really, what gets in your way from making God the Lord of your life? What practical thing stops you from making God the central bullseye of your life in every way? And what God would say, if you can name something does it, get rid of it. Don't have it, have it nowhere near you. Don't keep it in a drawer. Don't keep it in a closet. Don't keep it in the attic. Get rid of it. Another of the commandment is, what's the language you use about God? No, what's, what's that? I mean, it's practical here. Be careful what you say, how, how you use the name of God. And that can be in curse words. That can be that way, or it can be uh, attributing to God something that really is your agenda and not God's. Yeah, be really careful. It's just a, a good practical thing. When I use the name of God, when I talk about Jesus, when I talk about Yahweh, it is, am I in, a, in accordance with his real character, or is this really me? And then the other here, the, practice the Sabbath. Now, that was practical. That was real stuff for them. That was like one day out of seven. You give the whole day to, to serving God, to loving God, to enjoying God. You don't do anything. You don't milk any cows. You don't go take any um, uh, of the harvest. You don't do any. You don't cook. You don't do any of that. You, you focus your attention on, on knowing God because that is necessary for us to be a people who are going to demonstrate the power of God. That's necessary if we're going to face German shepherds and hoses in our gut. That's necessary if we're going to face a world that opposes the way of God for us to shine forth. we got to spend that time with Him. Now, this is a good time to take a little side, just a little sidestep, and recognize that uh, in the after Jesus, you know, we we don't keep the Sabbath. We don't keep the Sabbath. The Sabbath was yesterday. Uh, it was that was yesterday that we did. Now the Seventh Day Adventists, 
They do. They hold to this literally. That's why they meet on Saturday, because they think this, that is the day they should meet. We meet on the day of the resurrection. And we recognize that Jesus fulfilled the law perfectly. And, of course, he summarized it in a way that doesn't help us at all by saying, well, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Or, as Augustine said, uh, just love God with everything you got, and then do what you want. Yeah, and uh, so that for us, though, I want to challenge us to consider, do we spend one-seventh of our waking hours enjoying God and walking with Him and being with Him, studying His, his Word and being with His people and being in, in prayer, simply enjoying it, one-seventh of our waking hours? Hours. Yeah, so what, what are the practical ways for you that you hear this applying? All right, now we'll jump to the next. Honor your father and mother. This is verse 12. Honor your father and mother so that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or male or female slave or ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, as I said, obviously Jesus summarized the law for us to love God with our heart, mind, soul, and strength and to love our neighbor as ourself. And you can even see here, your neighbors mentioned several times even in these commands. He's hearkening back to this. But let's walk through these. These are still beneficial for us to consider. You know, what is this obey your parents? Or honor your parents, I'm sorry. Honor your father and your mother. One, this is a good practice of humility. Just says right here, from day one, there is somebody more important than you in your life that you're to honor. Throughout your life, that's a good practice of humility to honor them. Now, uh, one thing, some will then say, well, you don't know my parents. Well, you're right. Uh, I I don't. Um, But I don't think that means we still don't honor them. There's two things there. One is, this command is not for the world. Ten commandments are not for the world. They're for Israel. They're for God's people. Now, they're a good thing for the world to follow, but the purpose that God has for the Ten Commandments is not for us to, as in my home state, want to hang them in court buildings. The purpose for them is not to be hung anywhere. They're to be obeyed and done by God's people. So let's, once, once we get that taken care of, then we can go hang them wherever we want. But first, let's focus on living into them, into the very character of God that they demonstrate. And secondly, if indeed there will be situations where um, to honor your parents is not to obey them. If, if you're in a situation where your parents are doing or they're leading towards evil, you never honor someone by contributing to them doing evil. It's honoring to someone if they're doing evil, that you say no. So it still is in um, honoring them. Uh, don't murder. 
Um, and again, as I mentioned already, um, that particularly has a sense of anger to it in terms of, of, of vengeance. But it clearly demonstrates, as Mike mentioned last week, it demonstrates God's love, God's character for promoting life in every way. Don't commit adultery. Again, that's keep your commitments. But particularly in husband and wife, you keep your commitments even in denying your perceived immediate pleasure. Don't steal. Yes, respecting the stuff of others even when you want it. Don't, don't lie about one another. I mean, again, it's promoting honesty. When it, sometimes when it may hurt. And don't covet. Don't covet the stuff of, of others. Instead, the flip side of that is, is to be generous. Again, what, what I, I pray for you as we've walked through these again rather quickly. I pray for the Holy Spirit. This is my, my prayer this week has been, Holy Spirit, convict me. Convict me. Where, where am I out of tune? Because I want to be in alignment with your will and with your character to be who you've called me to be. It's really a gift for the Holy Spirit to convict. Because it's what is good. Which of these commands, then, for you, are you, obe- are you disobeying in active disobedience? You know, in terms of an, an idol, is there something else that really is giving you a reason to live? Fame, fortune, peace, comfort, or maybe something more practical, like a Lamborghini, or a house, or a jump shot, or retirement, or even family. Are they, are they more important to you than Jesus? How is your language? How is the, the use of the Lord's name, both negatively and positively? And here, the Sabbath. Are, are, you, are you taking the, the time, you're taking one-seventh of your waking hours to enjoy God? Are you honoring your parents? Have you committed murder? Have you committed adultery? Have you stolen something? Or lied about another? Have you coveted what others have? And if you, if you can say, you know, I've obeyed all of those, then finally, well, why do you obey them? It's because you're part of God's church and are a witness to the world of God's powerful, holy love and want to be make a difference in the world for, for the salvation of the world? Or is it so you can make a passing grade on God's test? Or in order for you to be blessed by God? Or even out of some unhealthy fear of God's judgment? Is it about you or is it about God that you, even you obey them? Maybe it's clear to you as you look through these. Yeah, I know it. I know that I am in active disobedience of these. Well, praise the Lord. That's a gift to know that. It's a real gift to to be clear. Yeah, this is where I'm in active disobedience. And we're going to come before the Lord in confession and receive from Him. Because what we know is that Jesus has fulfilled the law perfectly. And He now stands in our place and lets us stand in His 
That he on the cross has taken the, the judgment of God that we deserve so that we can now take his place and receive the blessing of God from him. The forgiveness of God. The presence of God. And even in the power of the Holy Spirit, the power now to live into more and more the people he calls us to be as his priests, as his set-apart community. We don't need to wallow in shame because we are a rebellious, broken people who whine and complain and we've been doing it since the very beginning. And God has not stopped walking with us yet. We need God. And what we'll see as we continue reading through Exodus, we'll see more and more laws and we'll see more and more disobedience. More and more laws and more and more disobedience over and over again. The, the laws come and the disobedience occurs and God still is Bearing us on eagles' wings even to today. I mean, there may be some of you here saying, yeah, I can say yes to every one of them, and that's just in the last 48 hours. Well, it doesn't matter. Jesus is the one, as we proclaim every Sunday, who brings us that forgiveness. Now, there may be some of you here who are like, there's really nothing I can think of. Nothing, co-. And that's okay. That is no problem. Ask God to reveal to you during this time where you fall short. And and maybe that's part of the the journey for this week. And release it when it comes, when the Spirit brings it to your mind. Receive His forgiveness and, and know now that He's working in us so that we will better reveal His character to the world around us. And we're going to take just three or four minutes here, um, uh, play a little uh, music instrumentally, and just take some time. Maybe you get a pen or pencil. You may need to journal it down. And I'm gonna, uh, and maybe some of you want to to pray, have someone particularly pray with you and for you. I've asked a few folks. If y'all go ahead and just come to your places. They'll, as we do with communion, we'll have prayer stations during this time. But if y'all go ahead and. Come to your places. And if you, it may be uh, you're needing God to reveal something to you. Maybe something particularly that he's brought to your mind um, today. Whatever it might be, I'd love to pray with you and for you in those, uh, just in and around the sanctuary. But let's, uh, let's take the next um, three minutes just to sit with this, with these um, ten commandments um, before an almighty, powerful, gracious God.